0: You're listening to The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast, episode 19 for Wednesday the 13th of May 2020, Fighting the New Normal. My name is Fabian Chercher, or as you should probably rather call me Fab, and I'm broadcasting here (laughs) from the center of the German, Northern German containment zone. (laughs) just off one way 33 fanbook international airport hello how do you do nice to have you on board yeah it's uh, in- another week uh, unbelievable it's, it's time's been just been flying um i've got this list of like additional episodes i want to do um ahead of the you know the, the one episode per week thing but uh, i just haven't been able to get to it it's just so much stuff to do i'm uh, basically I'm, I'm just i'm just working a lot <laughs> um in the in the crazy times you, you never know uh, as a freelancer you know it might just all collapse next week and then i might have no ability to make money for a while so i'm, I'm just trying to, to put money away while i can well as far as you can do is i mean i've got <laughs> it's just i don't know how it's uh, i don't know what you're doing for a living but uh, i can tell you it's 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 been crazy um they have actually i've actually done some work which ages ago which i haven't been paid f- for and people are like yeah it's like we're all telecommuting right everything's like slower it's like and i'm like how is this what nah. I'm sitting here thinking like how does this impinge your ability to pay me like you don't have to go to the fucking office <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like uh it's a software <laughs> what's uh, anyway yeah I hope I hope you're doing fine I shouldn't I shouldn't complain too much I'm um I'm doing good um and I've you know unlike other people I'm I'm used to uh and quite productive working from home so <laughs> What are we gonna do today? Um, Today, uh, I have a further update uh, on the coronavirus and especially the contact tracing um, situation. Well, coronavirus, or uh, should I rather put it, the Wuhan flu. really to play this uh wonderful uh jingle from the no agenda podcast um yeah and i also kind of like calling it the wuhan flu people get pissed off by that because it's not the flu and it's it's racist even though you know viruses have been called after the um place where they were discovered um for decades probably centuries i mean ebola the marburg virus the Reston virus, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Red River, is it Red River Fever that, uh, wait, can okay, that up, uh, isn't that, yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, Red, Red, Red River Fever, right, is this, is this, yeah, no, Ross River Fever, I'm sorry, yeah, so, I knew that was, it was somehow wrong, uh, which is named after Ross River, of course. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, so I love that jingle. I just want to warn everybody, we're going to talk about um, coronavirus and uh, civil li- liberties today, because as I said in the past, very um, important topic, probably the most important topic right now, especially if you're doing a privacy podcast. So I'm doing that. I'm going to talk a bit about um, reports I have from, uh, you know, stuff I've read from from all over the world basically how it's going some germany australia the uk the us stuff like that and then i have some crazy stories from europe just what's generally been going on and that should be a long episode that's probably an hour and a half two hours with the feedback probably i don't know um settle in for a, a long one i um i have a nice uh here so red wine i uh, can only recommend that and before we get into the show, I'd also like to say that the website is now hosted by Netlify, which I'm not affiliated with them I'm not uh, I'm just using their service um currently uh, I'm using the free plan but i'm 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 eclipsing that pretty soon I feel, and then I will be paying for it um I just thought i'll uh tell everybody about it because I'm quite enam- enamored with the service um as people might know I like to for a while now, I've, I've basically done all my websites in Hugo, which is a static site generator, and it uh, yeah generates static site as as a And of course, I keep all my um, changes to the websites in Git anyway. And Netlify is this cool like service. I guess it's a startup which uh, from Silicon Valley, which is the downside to it all. But you know, I had to get off Webfaction because they were bought by GoDaddy. And Netlify is um, it's cool. Um, they they have this thing where like basically you keep your um, your source code for your static site in Git um, and, and in GitHub it can be a private repository and then you give them access and then whenever you push changes, they um, you can you know you can specify what command you want to run. Uh, in my case, Hugo. And then it, you know, basically it runs uh, Hugo on their server and um, just copies, you know, creates the static site, copies that over to a CDN. And basically you publish stuff by uh, pushing it to the GitHub repository. And then your site gets built, which is quite cool. It works quite well. I'm now hosting several sites on this, including... PrivateCitizen.Press, where you can find as usual all the show notes uh i should say this more often in the beginning to um for this episode for every episode um there's a lot of stuff on there uh it's all my all links um i as people might know i believe in uh transparency uh in journalism and giving people uh the sources so they can read for themselves decide things for themselves think for themselves so you know i'm leading from the front i'm doing that on the podcast so go to private citizen.press for that and there's also a a news section on the site where i'm like i'm posting links to interesting privacy stories you might find that interesting as well uh, yeah but uh, with that uh, with that uh, i suddenly sound very german there with that let's go into the uh, the our main topic of the show really now yes um which is uh contact tracing uh, around the world uh, everybody's uh getting their own apps now of course we have i've covered this on the show in episodes 15 and 16 15 how it how it works especially apple's and google's api um, that they're building into the operating systems and also on 16 i had a very interesting discussion with Jürgen goiter at tante um, where we kind of philosophically attacked the topic and um yeah so um as far as google's and apple's proposal Uh, has is concerned they have now said more things about it Uh, there are i think they have a a beta out for developers it's now called exposure notification i'll just keep calling it contact tracing because that's what everybody calls it Um, they have now said that they will not allow the use of location tracking within the us the os sorry when you are using this api so uh no bluetooth kinda or gps or whatever location services you can't use those and as suspected i think app that pretty much was in the uh, documentation from the beginning there are also um, enforcing what they're going to do is they will allow one app in each of the app stores per country and those can only be um submitted in cooperation with that country's health uh, provide like a health whatever you're you know in the uk the nhs uh I, I don't know in germany it would be the Robert Koch institute they have to be involved uh, i guess in the u.s it'd be the cdc or something you know it has to be like an official app and there can only be one and they're going to keep all the others out too which kind of makes sense you know to keep the i mean these apps are privacy there's enough privacy issues with these apps um, as it stands without having scammers, <laughs> you know, weird people launching apps in the app store. So I don't think we need that. So they will enforce that uh, as as has must be pretty clear from the previous episodes, especially the one with uh, Tante, where you know we we, we discussed this. Um, it it's been become pretty clear that as soon as i started looking into the, those apps i pretty soon came to the conclusion that i'm not a fan uh luckily or well, i mean luckily and surprisingly i'm not the only one who thinks so i would quickly like to quote something that buz schneier, schneier wrote about contact tracing on his blog Bush schneier obviously a very famous uh cryptologist and you know information security uh maven i guess one would say and uh, he said about uh, contact tracing app uh, apps and in the end of his blog post, he said the following. And I quote, the end result is an app that doesn't work. People will post their bad experiences on social media and people will read those posts and realize the app's not to be trusted. That loss of trust is even worse than having no app at all. It has nothing to do with privacy concerns. And now the important point, the idea that contact tracing can be done with an app and not human health professionals is just plain dumb and there you have it <laughs> this is yeah so basically the same thing I've been saying um, and Tante's been saying and you know a lot of people have been saying uh, yeah Bruce Nye is of the same opinion but of course uh, who cares? nobody cares uh, we all need an app like this so let's go to the first country on our tour of the world uh, unsurprisingly because I am located there and uh, thus. Uh, know a lot about the situation uh on the ground um let's go to germany first in germany the app as everybody's just been calling it is, is the app the app um is now uh, suddenly uh being developed by deutsche telecom and srp uh, sap which is a very big german well for germans it's, it's big globally but you know it's the biggest german software developer by far it's like a huge well i guess it's a software company right they do they're, only, they're not only uh, pro- software themselves, they also, you know, self-services and stuff and consulting and each huge company. Uh, and they, have, uh, they, they are doing the app uh, with help of Deutsche Telekom, who's apparently doing all the networking stuff. I have no idea. It's not really clear, but they've been asked directly by the government to do so. Interestingly, in this um, publication by the German government, there is no... Uh, mention of Pep P T anymore so i think they're now out i think they're pretty much dead uh, pretty much as i kind of called it a few weeks ago and um, they are now projecting that the german app should be out by mid-june now interestingly i have a if you go to private citizen.press i have a graph in the show notes which i um screenshotted this morning which is uh, the official source from the rki the robert koch institute which has all the official german health data i discussed in an earlier episode how they um raise this day you know how this why why this data is being collected and how they collect it so they're the official canonical source in germany and um this graph shows you the new infection new infections per day uh starting at god now i have to open it up uh Uh, I guess uh, beginning of March till today and you can see the curve and basically it's, it's going down. It's, it's, it's going down a lot. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I think the yellow, um, I think the blue ones are confirmed cases and the yellow ones are, they have a new, um, in May they started and in March they started using a new model. Uh, where it it kind of it's um I've I've looked into our work I've kind of forgot it's like basically um it's like a best guess at um at at cases it's it's, it's from a number of sources but I guess you know you can it's kind of it kind of still conforms to the it, I mean the graph is the same it's just a, a bit additional cases and um, i think they fill up the yellow um parts with blue as soon as the case sometimes it just takes ages for the cases to get confirmed and all that Uh, but what i what you can see on the graph is that um oh actually it says in the why am i waffling about this it actually says on the graph what it is um oh yeah uh, sorry i was i was completely wrong this was an, i was talking about another graph so in this graph they didn't want actually screenshot the blue is actually the date people got sick and the yellow is the date this got reported so you can see kind of the lack of reported uh you know the the lack it takes for a uh for this that they're they're kind of trying the the the, the reporting data data is the hard data they have this is when you know you get sick uh, you get symptoms uh, you get a test the test result comes back to the doctor and then it gets reported to the rki and so the reporting date is the hard date they have and they kind of use um, statistics and the other data they have to what the actual date was that people got sick um but anyway, this doesn't really matter because if you look at the graph, it's just going down, and my actual point, which sorry I've rambled on there a bit, but I would actually actually wanted to say it looks like by mid of by mid June if this trend continues uh we might we might not need this app anymore um they're taking so long to develop this app and discuss it that by the time um I mean, we are pretty. I mean, talked about this uh, on the second to last show. You know, the second wave. So, um, the first wave was barely there. Um, Well, it was there, but it wasn't in Germany. It wasn't um, endangering uh, our hospital capacity. And the second wave is definitely not happening. So, (laughs) it looks like this app, by the time it'll be rolled out, we don't really need it anymore. Which is good, I guess. I don't know. I think they should just bury the project but they won't it's like one of these things once it has momentum you know people lose face if they now go oh it's been too late we can't do this then sap and telecom lose face and their companies and they can't do that whatever um the code for that app as well as the back-end code is supposed to be an open source app is supposed to be published on github um they want to publish it before the app comes out they said which is commendable i think currently there's some sp- relatively sparse documentation in that github repo so you can read up on it but they're basically um looks like they're doing um dp3t and the apple they're basically which is you know they're basically using the apple and google api and building an app on top of it i think the big development will probably be the backend server that that'll be like the hard thing because as far as i can tell apple's interface is basically you have an api right you, you just need to code an interface for it and uh, that's that's pretty much the easy part. When you, well, a lot of people mess that up. But you know, when you when you're talking an app and you're talking um, health data, um, there are harder parts. And the backend server and you know storing that information correctly, I guess, is, is part of it. Uh, The German government, meanwhile, is emphasizing that this app will be completely voluntary. I don't think you can do anything else in Germany um, if you want to keep any semblance of actually us (laughs) adhering by our own laws. Um, They don't have any targets. Uh, They're saying how many people need to install it or how many people they want to install it. Uh, The government has said in this... um, publication where they said that SIP and Deutsche Telekom are doing the app they said that they still think that physical distancing and or what they call social distancing uh, and wearing masks is much more important than um, to combat new infections so it seems like to be just a performa thing that they've decided we have to do this now as like a PR method uh, i think the, this reads like they are they're, they're kind of convinced that the other stuff is uh, is more Works better, which I think is pretty is a no brainer. um You know, I'm not a huge fan personally of wearing masks in public, but uh, it's it it it's it's more effective than this app because this app as, as we discussed, they're not going to be effective at all. Sorry, I'm uh, yeah. I need more wine. People would, might say I need less wine or no, I need more wine. Um, there's currently no law plan to regulate this. The government has said we don't need any laws. Will This will be voluntary. We can keep that all within our data protection stuff. Although the Social Democrats, the SPD, who are the junior partner in the great coalition that we currently have said that maybe a law might be required um, to govern how this, you know, specify how long the data from the app is stored and what it can be used for. They are also of the opinion that uh, laws might be needed to prevent discrimination based on the data. Um, Legal experts generally seem to be of the opinion from what I've read that a law is actually needed because the government says this app is voluntary, but there is a serious problem um, what voluntary means. Um, Because just because the government says this is voluntary doesn't mean it is in practice than voluntary because if if the government says okay voluntary app you might you might use it you might not private businesses could still say well if you enter our premises you need the app installed which de facto negates the voluntariness right if if if, if you need to go shopping if you're if the three supermarkets you can get to um, do this then you are basically forced to install the app and they you know the the legal and uh, data privacy experts actually see that as a big problem and i i think so too i think in in practice that is that is a huge problem with these um measures it's not enough for the government to say well it's voluntary if there are lots of social pressures basically make it not voluntary um This is an issue, interestingly enough, when I looked into this, did some research that is also addressed in the GDPR, because the GDPR has a concept of consent, like they have and the the GDPR itself goes into this and the explanatory documentation um, at GDPR.eu, which is from the um, European Commission um it basically goes alongside they have like these okay actually this website isn't i think this is from proton mail but um there is some stuff that's actually a thing i linked i think i linked that because the eu document is just very confusing like all eu documents but you know this is also explained like in the commentary to the gdpr like proton mail didn't make this make this up um I think, is that Proton? Proton, wait, give me a second. Technologies, this is a problem when you prepare some of the notes a day before. Uh, No, then are they? Interesting. And then energy company? (laughs) I would have thought, hmm. I would have thought that these guys were from Proton Mail. Wait, give me a second. Now I really want to know. Do, 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 do. They have a privacy policy, must say in there. Is this page, so lo- it's not loading very quickly. It doesn't help, help doing this. is great podcasting, isn't it? Um, Actually, operated by Proton Technologies AG, which is co-funded by the blah by the European Union. So yeah, they just made their own website actually linked to the to the yeah that they are the Protomagas here, yeah, I thought so. Um so the GDPR ex- ex- explicitly goes into this um into this notion of consent and to quote from this explanatory document, um the the GDPR says that consent needs to be freely given. Now, uh, quote, freely given consent essentially means you have have not cornered the data subject into agreeing to you using their data. For one thing, that means you cannot require consent to data processing as a condition of using the service. They need to be able to say no, according to recital 42, the GDPR, Uh consent should not be regarded as freely given if the data subject has no genuine or free choice or is unable to refuse or withdraw consent without detriment. And this will be interesting because after after talking about the the, the apps, I'm gonna talk about some some other stuff that's been happening um in Europe and in Germany. And um this comes up again and again. Um this is this is very important. I think this is something a lot of people forget. I had a lot of public discussions recently because I wrote a a column basically on Heiser Online uh, related to not um, contact tracing, but like, you know, health certificates. And this is something people don't understand. Um, They don't understand that you can't just say, well, it's it's installation, you know, installing this is voluntary. Um, There is a legal... Understanding, as I just you know read here, that when something might not actually be voluntary right in de facto, even though it kind of is, but if there's other pressures, then it's not, and with this um uh with this with coronavirus and this whole pandemic and this whole scare, this applies everywhere I mean had they not um made. With with um with orders uh you know with um, laws and and policy had the federal states in Germany not said you have to wear masks while you ha- while you go into the supermarket um, it is pretty clear that most supermarkets would have required this anyway um, so at this point the government could have said well wearing masks is voluntary but in practice it really isn't so I think this is something. Everybody needs to keep in mind, this is a very important point. Um, let's move on to a neighboring country of ours. Uh, the, the, uh, the small and uppity, always contrarian nation of Switzerland. <laughs> um, in Switzerland, apparently the local contact tracing app is delayed. Um, they were building an app based on the DP3T model, which was supposed to be released this very week. But now uh, they're saying it might come out in, quote, early summer. And that's because the Swiss parliament um, is demanding the creation of a legal framework on how an app like this could be used, uh, will be used before basically signing off on it. And they, they have said that, um, quote, the potential impact of civil liberties of such an app are huge. And this is, uh, you know, the, the Swiss Swiss parliament, and so basically, they have now tasked the government with draw drafting legislation. Um, that under you know, they have like summer uh, special for important laws, they can debate him during the summer break, I guess, of parliament. So, this would be debated in June, probably. Uh, and some baseline requirements they have said uh, the government needs to adhere to is that um, the usage has to be voluntary and also th- this has to be d- defined in law pretty much um, going back to the earlier point and that personally identifiable data cannot be stored on centralized service. So um, one of the leaders of the team who is developing this app, a guy called Marcel Zalate, who is a professor for quote, uh, I'm quoting this, I'm putting quotes around this digital epidemiology Um at the Eidgenössische Technische Hochschule EPFL uh, in Lausanne, um, he has said uh, that the Swiss app will be using Apple's and Google's API, which also then means Apple and Google um, do, like within their very, I mean, I, I explained how it works, within the very framework, it is inherent that the data is stored on the user's device. It's only sent to a server once you identify as having been co- a confirmed case and then, but only to distribute it. Um, it's not supposed to be saved on the server either. So um, that is within the very framework. Now I find this guy, I find it interesting that he's a professor for digital epidemiology. I have no idea what that is. That's like saying I'm a, I'm a digital biologist because I use a modern microscope that saves the photos on a hard drive, right? <laughs> I don't care, I don't get it. Is there any any field of science you can do today where you're not working digitally? I mean, even history professors <laughs> these days to do things on the internet. Um, interesting. Um let's let's go further around the world here. Let's move a bit further afield uh, to a nation that is close to my heart. Uh, Australia. Down under in North, mate. Um, they've they've kind of tried to head off this problem. They've been, um, as we talked about on the show, early, and they've deployed an app very early, uh, based on an app from Singapore, which has had some issues, which I also talked about previously. But now they even have bigger they've bigger issues, mate. This is this ain't this is an issue. This is an issue. <laughs> um sorry, that was that was bad. Um so Australia's app's called COVID Safe, and there's been a lot of been written about that recently. But um according to this story here, which is a pretty recent one from the register, Australia's COVID Safe contact tracing app was rushed to market in the knowledge it would perform poorly on some devices and without agreements in place to let actual contract contact traces use the data it collects so apparently they have a problem australia if you didn't know is also a federal country um well, it's different than the u.s and different than germany but you know they have they, they, you know they have uh states um on and territories um you know I, I I lived for quite a while in queensland uh with the banana banders um and they have uh which is close to Germany where like the education a lot of the education legislation and a lot of the um, health stuff is is done on a federal state level so apparently the federal government who put out this app uh, as far as I understand it didn't have legislation and and organization in place to get this Data to the federal, did the the health offices in the federal states who would ac- who are actually doing the contact tracing, like who are doing it offline as well. Normally, um, uh, yep. Without agreements in place to let actual contact tracers use the data it collects, as a result, no collected data has been used in at least ten days since it launched. Slow clap. <laughs> Meanwhile, security researchers have alleged the app has serious flaws, one of which can broadcast the names of devices running the app. <laughs> and one has criticized Australia's government for not offering a formal method to, to point out such problems. Uh, apparently the same guy uh, looked at the Singapore app and... Uh, Submitted uh, the same flaws to them, and they fixed it very quickly. But in Australia, there's nobody looking after the app. He says in no social media, they're not monitoring social media. Nobody, there's nobody home. Australia's government, meanwhile, continues to tie increased adoption of the app to future lightning of social, distance regula- social distancing regulations, as I like to call them, physical distancing regulations. Over 5 million Australians have downloaded the app at the time of writing. However, with iPhones, the majority of the nation's phone fleet, COVID saves efic- uh, efficacy. is currently questionable because it really only works on Android phones because and iPhones have the habit of switching the Bluetooth off to save power. And you can you can only keep it on when the apps in foreground, unless you use the upcoming API from Apple and Google, which is the big lever that Apple has to get everybody to use it on iPhone, um, on the iPhone. Sorry, and um, yeah, this is that is a problem. I I this is disheartening to see that they're going like you know, oh if lots of people use the app we can lift restrictions kind of like the same thing uh not with the app but Merkel has been doing this thing in Germany which completely pisses me off um in Germany um there's been there's been a public discussion um about uh you know lifting lifting the restrictions in well we've we've lifted some and you know there's just this discussion how much should we lift and and you know and they they keep they keep discussing and calling this Lockerungen, yeah, very German word. Lockerungen. Lockerungen means uh, relaxations. You know, it's uh, the opposite of tightening. Basically, loosening, loosening restrictions. Um, which I'm I'm not always saying. Um, in Germany, uh, we now call Grundrechte Lockerungen. So we call our <laughs> Our constitutional rights in Germany are now lockerungen um there is now the relaxation of the um of the lockdown rules, which pisses me off because it it turns on its head how a free democratic society under a constitution that specifies civil liberties should think um it's kind of like hey if you're nice we'll give you your rights back but damn it that's not the point the point is we have rights that's the point of constitutional rights like human rights they are you know those ina inalienable rights uh you know that's that's what they are they are inherent and i understand that you know we talked about this early on in the show i understand that you can curtail them for good reasons but as a government you're Your approach to this needs to be, hey, the default is people have rights because the Grundgesetz, your constitution, whatever, says they have rights and then you can have restrictions for a short time. Now, Lockerungen, you know, loosening these, it makes it sound like, hey, we're being nice to you. It It makes it sound like the default is the lockdown, you know, and that's the thing that's been really worrying me about all this it's like what people like to call the new normal they're like we live in the new normal now no we don't this this whole thinking of new normal is dangerous we can't let them let them have that the point is there is no new normal there's just the old normal this situation we're in now no matter if it's it might be completely justified that's not the point it is not normal and it can never be normal and we can never back down from this never ever ever we can tolerate it for a while but we have to look at our government's fingers while they're doing it we have to keep them on their toes because this is not there is no new normal as soon as you accept this as normal we've lost we've lost all rights we've we've lost everything um i've been i've been thinking about this a lot, lot recently especially also because i wrote this column and it's kind of like you know after september 11th um people were shocked it's kind of like a bit like with this virus right um no matter what actual danger is represented by the threat um there's a perceived danger and you know with september 11th of course the perceived danger was massively bigger than the actual danger um But all these rules went into effect. And it's the same as now, you know, I say, look at these rules, we can't have them. And then people say, you know, the people on the other side, uh, on Twitter, whatever, they say, well, they are just temporary. That's what they said after September 11th. After September 11th, they went and said, you can't take uh, bottles with liquids over 100 milliliter on the plane. Everybody who knew anything about security said that that was idiotic and bullshit. They were like, if you want to get explosives on a plane they're way easier ways afterwards still i mean it's not impossible to get explosives on a plane um so this was like this is security theater that was a measure that was put in arbitrary to make people feel safe and people were like oh this is only temporary no it's not like the people you know i I, back in the day i can remember i said this is bullshit we can not have this we have to fight this and people were like no it's just going to be temporary yeah um 20 years later, those temporary restrictions are still in place and they're still as stupid. And people have just gotten used to it. They complained for about a year, maybe two. There were articles how it's dumb, how it's security. Now everybody accepts it. Everybody who goes to fly on a plane um, nowadays, when they enter the airport, when they enter the secured area in the airport, they accept being put through certain rituals that have more to do with like voodoo than actual security practices and people just accept that and that's the same thing that will happen here anyway (laughs) ran over let's move on next country on the list the united states of america um the united states of america um there was a so in america in the u s it seems like there is no there are no specific apps planned at least I haven't seen anything about this, and it seems like they're never gonna happen anyway because there was no recent poll, and the results of this poll are um the quoting here from i think this is Ars Technica yep it is the eighty two percent of u s adults who have smartphones are exactly split on the issue, according to poll data released today by the Washington Post and the University of Maryland. Half of the poll respondents said they would probably, they would probably or definitely, sorry. Again, half of the poll respondents said they probably or definitely would use a contact tracing app and the remaining half said they probably or definitely would not. While a majority of respondents, 57%, expressed a reasonable amount of trust in public health agencies, less than half, 47%, said they trust health insurance firms and only 43% said they trust tech firms such as Google and Apple. I'm amazed that that tech firm thing is so high after all the things we've learned about tech companies and the reason also like 47 percent trust insurance companies <laughs> like who trusts an insurance? i don't get that like okay i kind of should because in germany everybody's insured for everything i've always been like a rebel and i'm like way less insured than everybody else and whenever you talk to somebody oh my god you have to be insured well, what happens like we once said like we wanted to up our insurance um a while ago um, when we moved into this flat and we had some (laughs) insurance um sales people over and they were like you know the first thing that is like oh let's let's see what insurance you have and we told them oh my god you're missing this and this and this what happens if a meteorite hits your house i'm like well it's we're fucked <laughs> how high is the possibility for that uh probably uh anyway so in Germany, everybody's over insured but i've never been i just amazed like be- being insured one thing you know, but trusting insurance companies i mean insurance companies are inherently you know you pay the money and then whenever something happens like Unfailingly, they try to get out of their uh you know they 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 try to cheat you off your money basically they they give their best not have to pay you have to pay you as little as possible, which makes sense i mean that's how they make money, but still people don't understand that it's just beyond me anyway uh quoting on from the story overall the poll indicates that only 41 percent of american adults have both the technological capacity and the will to use a contact tracing app that's a problem as research suggests that digital tracing would have to reach about 60 percent of the population to be effective so it looks like it's not going to happen in the us small side note on ars technica here the uh the arse of technology, the ass end of technology on the internet. I mean, I used to be a fan. They used to be really good. Now they're just crap, <laughs> mostly, because, I mean, oh, God. This is a problem with journalism, right? Um, so they go, research suggests, and they actually link the, quote, research, um, so they know the source. Presuming they looked at the source. Now this research is a paper that I talked about earlier as well, like on a previous episode. It's like this Oxford University paper um that says you need at least sixty percent, right? Now this research is a very rough estimate and they clearly say so in the paper. If you read the paper, the paper basically says well, we really have no idea because nobody has done this before. Here's some very very abstract math we did <laughs> and we kind of estimate you need at least 60 percent and the problem here is yes of course technically as technica is correct technically this is research and they're saying suggests that okay so they're qualifying it a little bit but like somebody reads that this has no idea it doesn't read the primary so at least they linked that but you know i, I knew where the 60 percent were from anyway um and then thinks, yeah, research, it's like science. That's the problem. People's like science, the scientists say. People don't understand how science works. They don't understand that a paper is not doesn't equal a paper, right? You can do a paper on basically guesswork and some math, or you can actually have data, years of data that you've analyzed and other people have analyzed, right? Or you can have actual proof because you saw something under a microscope. It's very different kinds of research. Anyway um I'm, I'm i'm ranty today i'm i'm sorry Should probably should have warned you in a being. I, I warned you that's going to be a long episode at least i did that and you know while i uh criticize uh, all these people remember private citizen.press all the links are in there um i want you to read up on on what you know what i'm doing here and and correct me because i make mistakes as well You know, I'm fully aware of that. Anyway, let's go to the UK. The United Kingdom. God save the Queen. Um, There, the NHS group responsible for developing the local contact tracing app, which is called NHSX, uh, has released the source code. And unsurprisingly, people have looked at it and they have questions. Developers, quoting here from the register, developers who have examined the blueprints have not been entirely mollified and have called out several potential problems. For example, the app, in which uh, the apps which are supposed to be pro privacy, use Google Analytics and the Firebase Analytics framework configured in a way to allow personalized web advertisements. What? Why? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, it's it's facepalm. You can only facepalm. Also they generate a private key that's not private because it gets created on a remote server rather than on the user's device and they link to insecure http resources you know my stance on https and that not everybody needs to use it but for fuck's sake on an app that collects highly sensitive you know location and health data maybe maybe you should uh, While well, the NHS X apps appear to not track user location consistent with NHS x representations its c- it's claimed the Android version requests location permissions that are unnecessary and could be used after an update to track user location. In an analysis on Thursday, re-incubate UK-based developer. So that's Thursday last week. uh, UK-based developer tool software biz said that the inclusion of the access fine location in the Android app is necessary for using Bluetooth. The iOS version, the company says, does not request local permissions, and that gels with how I understand that works. Uh, I've read some complaints way earlier even like months or years ago about android developers at google started uh, requiring this at some point and uh, it seems to be true overall reincubate considers the apps to be relatively well behaved respecting platform rules and not storing sensitive data the firm observes that they utilize some clever workarounds to remain active and attentive for proximate devices At the likely expense of battery life, other programmers noting that for the iOS version, Bluetooth discovery may fail when two locked devices come in range, um, may fail, disagree. So the other programmers disagree, characterizing the workaround as a violation of Apple's rules. So this app's currently being tested on the Isle of Wight, I think, and should be uh, released in the coming weeks, they say. Um, now at first the uk government drew some criticism because they were saying we want central data storage so we're not using the uh, apple and google um, api framework they i think we're trying to pressure apple and google in changing giving them the option to use centralized servers apple and google stayed steadfast and said no way jose and it didn't happen now last week it was now reported that uh, there might be a switch uh, even then with the UK app to the Apple and Google API uh, which kind of makes sense uh, this is a report in the Financial Times um, because they really have no choice um, so this is I think this is from TechCrunch uh, quoting the Financial Times Um Yesterday, the FT reported this, that NHSX, the digital transformation branch of UK's National Health Service, has awarded a £3.8 million contract to the London office of Zulke Engineering, a Switzerland-based IT development firm which was involved in developing the initial version of the NHS COVID-19 app. The contract includes a requirement to, quote, investigate the complexity, performance, and feasibility of implementing native Apple and Google contact tracing APIs within the existing proximity mobile application and platform, end quote, per the newspaper's report. The work is also described as a, quote, two-week timebox technical spike, which the FT suggests means it's still a preliminary phase though it also notes the contract includes a deadline of mid-May. Now, I don't know. They're paying them 3.8 million pounds for two weeks to figure out if they can use the Apple API? Like, guys, I mean, Fab Industries and Fab.Industries could have probably told you that in two days, you know? And I would have done it for like 2 million pounds. Uh, fuck! Uh, the specific technical issue that appears to be causing concern obviously relates to a workaround the developers have devised to try to circumvent platform limitations blah blah blah, blah. so basically uh, obviously they can't keep bluetooth on an iphone uh, we know that we know that from the singapore app and the Austral- australian app so they basically they need to news at least on the iphone because they need you know they need the market share they need people with iphones using this app they need people using this app um so they have no other choice on ios so pff, they might as well use it right for the android app as well and they might give up their data uh storage on on the service whatever um Interestingly here, uh, according to this, uh, the FT quotes one person familiar with the NHS testing process who told it the app was able to work in the background in most cases except when two iPhones were locked and left unused for around 30 minutes and without any Android devices coming within 60 meters of the devices. The source also told it that bringing an Android device running the app close to the iPhone would quote wake it up. Uh, quote wake up it's bluetooth connection i didn't know that but i guess you know it's probably not off the bluetooth on the iphone it's probably in a mode where you know when your headphones say i want to connect um it wakes up so you uh i guess can do that from android right you can go and ping iphones and basically do a dirty workaround which is what it sounds like go like hey i'm i'm, I'm headphone I'm, I'm your headphones hello hello i want a pair and you probably can't do that between two apple devices because apple probably doesn't allow you to do this kind of bluetooth bullshit uh from their S. that that's what it sounds like but that's just only guesswork i don't know um they're also completely unrelated to the technical issues there are also issues uh, about the data retention um quoting the register uh britains will not be able to ask nhs admins to delete their covid 19 contact tracing data from the government service digital arm nhs x chiefs exec matthew gold admitted to MPs this afternoon gold also told parliament's human rights committee that data harvested from britain's through nhs access covid 19 contact tracing app would be quote pseudo pseudonymized and appeared to leave the door open for that data to be sold on for quote research now that sounds like absolute bullshit. I think that's why the register says quote research because they're quoting him and that is bullshit because why would you sell it? Like if it's for research, why would you sell it? This is a national international health crisis. According to everybody, you wouldn't sell that data. I mean, the Robert Koch Institute in Germany is collecting. Um, I think I talked about this on the show as well. They have this other app uh, which connects, uh, collects data. You can, If you have a um, fitness tracking device like Fitbit, you can um, donate their data to them, right? And they say we save the data for 10 years uh, for research purposes. And I can tell you if you do research, if you do, like if I'm at the University of Bonn, say, and I'm a virologist or an epidemiologist, epidemiologist and i'm doing this research right you can go to the robert koch institute and you can say i need this i need some of this data for this research project and they give it to you they won't sell you the i mean we're talking science here i mean yes there is money in science and there is companies and pharma companies and stuff like that but we're talking uh a the the data resides with a national health organization why would they want to sell it like that makes no sense i guess like the NHS needs money or something but still it's a government organization the government could just tell them to know that's forbidden (laughs) like it is in germany um right you can like if you're i don't know if you're a, a a pharma company you know like we're developing this treatment for covid and we need this data and they you know tell the robert Koch institute they give them good reasons why they need the data the robert Koch institute is not selling them the data because the government needs money i mean it's a fucking the the fucking institute is it's like the nhs it's publicly funded it's funded by my taxpayer money Why would they ask somebody else for me? It doesn't make any sense. So I guess it's just this research is bullshit. They just want to sell the data. Uh, And, you know, a large number of academics in the UK agrees. They basically said this is all bullshit. And there's another story on the register. Um, Let's go to Iceland. Now in Iceland, Iceland's tiny. uh, 364,000 people, which is tiny. That is um, a bit more than half the size of the town i was born in <laughs> um so in iceland up to 40 percent of citizens have been using a gps-based app for about a month now um and as a, pu- a story was now published in uh, MIT Technology Review apparently it's not helping so their app um, quoting here Ratnik C19 which launched in early April was hailed as a way to quote make the tracing of transmissions easier end quote at the time tracks users GPS data to compile a record of where they have been allowing investigators with permission to look at whether those with a positive diagnosis are potentially spreading the disease and it gained traction quickly according to MIT technology reviews COVID tracing tracker if I didn't know they had that I'll have to check that out it has the largest penetration rate of all contact trackers in the world having been downloaded, downloaded by 38% of Iceland's population of 364,000 well yes um, I think that is a factor of the country being so small. But anyway, uh, but despite this early deployment and widespread use, one senior figure in the country's COVID-19 response says the real impact of reckoning C-19 has been small compared with manual tracing techniques like phone calls. Quote, the technology is more or less, I would say, useless, says Gestor Palmason, a detective inspector with the Icelandic police service who's overseeing contact tracing efforts. Quote, but it's the integration of the two that gives you results. I would say Reknik has proven useful in a few cases, but it wasn't a game changer for us. So basically, he's uses. Um Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it, this is another factor of the country being so small, but the police doing contact tracing would worry me. Like that's not, that should never be their job. They shouldn't have that data. Why is the police doing this? This is why you have health officials. And if you don't have health officials, hire more of them. Don't have the police do this. That's just, you know, it's... uh, That is aspects of a police state when the police does stuff like this. Speaking of a uh, police state, let's go to the uh, pre-ultimate country on our list here, Singapore. Uh, singapore, which was hailed early on as a shining beacon of uh, fighting this virus um whereas i've always pointed out singapore is it's very autocratic it's a one-party state essentially um so they have a contract they had very early had a contract tracing app called trace together um this is what australia's uh, app is based on and now they're cracking down um Suddenly, also a story from the Register. Singapore will, from May 12th, require all businesses to adopt a system that checks visitors into and out of their premises using their smartphones and has already made using the system compulsory before entering some venues called Safe Entry. That's from the same company, by the way, as Trace Together. The system is designed to enhance Singapore's coronavirus contact tracing capabilities and requires visitors to either scan a qr code or allow their phones to be scanned to record a barcode in the national e-services app it's kind of like the russian uh solution that evgeny was reporting on a few episodes ago um which is uh, you know it's basically uses for contact tracing, Just tells the government where you've been um that scan these scans are now taken when visitors uh so those scans are taken when visitors enter and exit premises singapore's minister of health said the service logs names national identity numbers or the equivalent for long-term residents i guess that would be passport numbers and mobile phone numbers plus the time a user entered and exited a venue the resulting data is uploaded to a cloud service where the ministry says it will only be used by, quote, uh, used by, used, quote, by authorized personnel for contact tracing purposes and stringent measures are in place to safeguard the data according, in accordance with the government's data security standards. Sorry, I should read that out differently. Um the data will only be used by authorized personnel for contact tracing purposes, and stringent measures are in place to safeguard the data in accordance with the government's data security standards. Sure, sure, sure. So this, I I feel like uh, Singapore is a great example um, of the thing I've been cautioning against um, ever since. I started reporting about this whole scare and uh, the, the the resulting privacy problems. Um, so we had here an app that was voluntary, um, that was not installed by enough people. Where then earlier this month, some experts quote uh, in the in the press there in Singapore. Uh we're reporting that it obviously the adoption rate is not high enough, so we must make it mandatory. I'm guessing those experts uh were somehow close to the government or plans, so I don't know. And and now essentially they've gone to a mandatory app that locks you whenever you enter some business, right? It doesn't well, that system doesn't lock you all the time, but it's you know, you have to go shopping um and stuff. And this is just a, that's that's what i'm saying that's what when when people are saying oh it's oh hey it's voluntary and hey it's only temporary yet yeah, th- this is what happens. And so in Singapore apparently they 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 beat the curve quite well and then suddenly they had a second wave big outbreak because i guess some foreigners in like uh you know cheap labor in like dormitories and they had a second hotspot and then everybody panicked and now they have this and it's like that 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 shows you how it goes right it's always temporary at first and it's 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 voluntary but you know they're creating facts by by pushing these apps out there and by having people install it and then suddenly they go hell well it's mandatory now now obviously a big problem with this is that singapore is a well i would say not very democratic state uh, you could probably disagree with that it is technically a democracy i guess you know they have a parliament they have parties they have elections but uh, one party always wins you know and by that by that definition of a democracy the soviet union was a democracy as well ah, well we had a party you could go vote <laughs> um last country on our list india which which oh i'm sorry i bumped the uh pop shield there um Once again, I'm I'm wildly gesticulating, almost like an Italian. Uh, India, which is indeed a democracy, the the most populous democracy in the world, but they are going in a similar direction. Uh, Also quoting from the Register. India has made use of a COVID-19 contact tracing app compulsory in some parts of the nation. The country yesterday extended its national lockdown for two weeks from today, but the extension is not total. It's not total, total extension. Regions that have expired, uh, ex- sorry, re- regions that have experienced no new cases at all or none in the last 21 days will be designated green zones but locales with known cases or insuff- insufficient data will become red or orange zones, subject to ongoing stay-at-home orders and extensive restrictions on business activity. And in the red or orange zones, according to the new order from the Ministry of Home Affairs, the local authority, quote, the local authority shall ensure 100% coverage of the, sorry, my Indian's horrible, uh, Arogya Setu app, Among residents of the containment zones. I love how India completely rolled out like the zombie movie vernacular, right? There's red zones. Red zone citizens stay at home. There's red zones. There's orange. There's containment areas. Containment zones. Danger! You're in a containment zone. It's like what the fuck? (laughs) Jesus. It's just completely, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the, the, this is like a zombie movie. That's like the, 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 the names and, and, and labels they use. It's just it's so over the top. While well, meanwhile, all of this crap, I mean, we're seeing the data is coming out. It's becoming clearer and clearer that this thing by far wasn't as dangerous as everybody thought. I mean kinda the two camps in the beginning were both wrong, right? So the the complete panic mongers were wrong. And then the people who said, hey, it's like it's a bad flu were wrong because while they were correct in one aspect, as in the actual mortality, is like a bad flu. And we're not talking like a seasonal flu with yeah, when I say influenza, I mean like the strain where you do not have a vaccine and it's a new strain you know like h1n1 and you do you do not have um you don't have a vaccine and you do not have a population that is resistant to it that's the situation um now they were wrong as well because the difference with this is it's just it's just apparently so much more contagious um which is why a lot lot more people got it which is why you know if you have the same mortality if you know if an if a if an order of magnitude more people get it an order of magnitude more people die with the same mortality um of course and it of course we don't know quite a lot about it how it spreads and there's some some weird things you know with inflamed blood vessels and some some dangerous shit it does it's dangerous but it's like from the mortality it's the same as um epidemics we had in the last 20 years and we didn't have the same reaction so that that is becoming more and more clear. But hey. I guess I'm just um I guess I'm 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 just a bit I don't wanna I don't wanna comply with your orders. I feel like a bit like so I was uh recently I've been rewatching uh Sequest, which is a um so I'm I'm rewatching season one. Sequest is a great science fiction show. Um, so first season's from 1993 uh roy scheider obviously uh starring as captain nathan bridger uh it's a submarine uh in the future when i say in the future the season one um is set in 2018 <laughs> um, but yeah it's a great show i like it even though you know if you watch it today it's, it's got some cringe but of course it's from the 90s but I, I still love it and so in season one episode seven um they have uh an outbreak they have a bioweapon um thing so some of the crew get infected with a uh uh, virus Uh, i think it's a it's a genetically modified meningitis something um anyway so um so the first officer um lieutenant uh, um shit commander ford um is is got this because he was like kind of on the away team right um and he, he was he's now in isolation and um he doesn't he, he doesn't take well to it and this is uh, obviously uh played by what was this don franklin right um actually got he was in the la- in a newest season of bosch and I saw him there and I was like, shit, I need to watch um I need to I need to watch Sequest again. So I'm watching this, like in this episode, and he's in isolation, and the um lieutenant um Creek, Ben Creek, comes along and he's the morale officer. And he thinks so Ford is like in the hyperbaric chamber, which they've changed to an isolation ward. And Creek now tries to um cheer him up. And uh, I kind of feel like Ford like in this situation we have right now, I'm am, I am in Ford's camp here with this.: Anybody help? Just kidding. Commander Ford, may I speak to you for a minute? Hey. Captain sent me down to see if you needed anything.: Good. You know, I think you're looking at this thing all wrong. Don't think isolation. Think paid vacation. I don't want a vacation. I just want to get out of here. that's exactly how i feel like oh we can work from home or work you know oh i don't have to work right now (laughs) i don't want a vacation i just want to get out of here get work done (laughs) um anyway yeah let's um so that's that's all the contact tracing apps around the world let's let's go a little bit about you know some 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 on the grounds report from you know what's happening in the let's say the european (laughs) the european containment zones and um i've i just basically you know i have a lot of reports from from germany and what's going on here obviously if you know more you know if you as i said before in these episodes i i'm very interested to hear from you um and to um you know have your local perspective wherever you are um i read out a few on a previous podcast and you know it come some great reports from russia and, and australia and stuff like that and i love that i would in the u.s of course i would i would love more of that so uh please do you know producers on the show you're helping out if you do this kind of stuff and you enrich the the information we have in the show for everybody who's listening and i appreciate that very much but you know this stuff i've i've been seen here um in the yes they like to say now the new normal which you know if you've, you've heard my rant um, do not accept the new normal um interestingly i saw amnesty international uh saying um quote digital surveillance to fight covid 19 can only be justified if it respects human rights and I'm, I'm reading this i'm sitting there right i don't i don't really get this like isn't Try to imagine digital surveillance that respects human rights. Like, is that possible? Isn't digital surveillance by definition always contrary to several human rights, like the right to privacy um, or the right to basically live your life unmolested by your government? Like, isn't that, isn't that always in conflict with that? Like... Bad. that just struck me to very as a very weird thing to say for amnesty international right i i guess they need to make this um tightrope walk because you know as a big organization you can as an organization at all you cannot say <laughs> you do not you do not support these measures right that's a that's a big no no you can't do that you'll get torn apart in the in the press you can't do that but i feel like if anybody like if i was mc international my thing was human rights i'd be like look they're basically saying here don't you know we can't sleepwalk into a surveillance state which is something i've been saying as well you know COVID 1984 um you can't that's a big danger and you would think like with everybody and their dog being on the other side, like, we need to do everything to save people's lives, doesn't matter, civil liberty, human rights, it's only temporary. You'd think if you're Amnesty International and your thing is human rights, you'd be just on the other side. I mean, it balances itself out, right? You don't have to be, to say, yeah, we're also against COVID-19. I mean, we know that you don't want to kill people, apparently, you know, it's it's just... anyway um now in germany it's been it's been mad as well um so we had uh in 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 several parts of germany restaurants and you know places like massage parlors now have to log uh, anyone who enters the premises and keep the data for three weeks and they have to if the uh, local health authority asks for data they have to hand it over and you must agree to provide this data it's you have to do that um at this point i would like to say you know you know what the uh, gdpr says about consent um this is definitely i mean i think this completely violates the gdpr and just any privacy laws Uh, but then you know people are saying that on Twitter and then other people responded, we were like, no, uh this actually, actually, you will find this doesn't violate the DPR because the records are kept manually and it's not data processing. And you're like. I mean that might very well be technically correct. I'm not a lawyer, obviously. Um but it makes no fucking sense, right? Have you heard of like the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law? Like why would you have a law against data retention in the digital realm and then if you write it down it doesn't g- it's the same data it's you're doing the same thing uh, you know people can just scan it in and then you can process it and then i guess at that point would the gdpr would apply but even if the gdpr doesn't apply it's clear that this is against the interests of privacy and how is this They're loud. I mean, the the government was saying, you know, local state government was was issuing these orders. And like privacy uh, um, data protection officers and everybody was like, this is atrocious. This is obvious. This will not stand up to any kind of judicial review at all. (laughs) They're still doing it. It's it's always the same thing. They're still doing it. Uh, At least is one good uh, good news the uh federal state of hesse in germany you know we talked about them they were going to use Palantir software for their uh crisis response center whatever um they have now backed down um they're not doing this and not because of criticism but because basically they, the the situation is just not as critical and it sounds like they're kind of closing down their crisis response center because cases are as i said are just going away normally um, Sorry for continuing to pop the microphone there. Interestingly, uh, I re- I just found out in this story that Palantir would have given them the, the software for free, of course. And you know, the first taste is always free. Also, they just want the data. <laughs> Clearly a CIA outfit. Um, <laughs> so I, the other thing I found out is that the UK uh, is actually using this. Apparently it's an active use which would worry me if I was in the UK Then Apple. Remember when we talked about uh, that uh, supermarket where they, in Germany, where they wanted to measure somebody's temperature and uh, they were like, we're going to where they were doing it. And then data protection officers were like, "Ah, this is obviously against the law. You can't do this. This is idiotic. Can't just have a, you know, measure somebody's temperature as a uh, pre, you know, as a, require that for them to enter your premises and then obviously like the supermarket after one day back down they're like okay yeah obviously everybody's this is wrong now what does apple do last week they announced that this week they're gonna open the apple stores again they were like we're gonna measure everybody's temperature at the door and you're like ah, face palm. they obviously don't listen to the show <laughs> i mean fab.industries uh the consulting arm of fab.industries could have told apple that this was a bad idea and of course apple is now under investigation by several federal data protection officers who are <laughs> and i think the one in hesse now speaking of hesse is uh, thinking of just forbidding it outright because they're basically saying this is clearly against the law the spirit of the law is against everything um in 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 talking about this like the data protection officer of has has said well you know privacy of somebody doesn't it's like you know with rights with with civil rights with uh you know with personal rights you have to um you have to judge them you have to weigh them against other people's right and he says you know your, your right to privacy uh that is not worth more than another it doesn't eclipse another's right to ha- to being healthy of course but the problem with this is doing this doesn't help like it it's not clear that actually curtailing somebody's privacy here is actually of enough benefit it's probably not of benefit at all he actually you know he raised some concerns right you know um it is it is science 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 research uh, says that measuring people's temperature is not a good indication if they're sick or not uh, if they have covid because they could have anything they could have other health issues um lots of people who have it like apparently a lot of people don't have any symptoms including fever and they're still spreading it so it's idiotic and the state protection officer was like yeah and another problem is basically you are uh you're doing this and then people think they're healthy right you're giving them false sense of security with it it's just bullshit i'm gonna probably gonna forbid this and i just i was just like how can a big company like apple be that dumb like a few weeks ago like the supermarket highly publicized in germany walked into the same trap and then apple goes and even announces it beforehand they're like oh yeah we're gonna do that too to keep everybody safe yeah fuck you you have no idea what you're doing this is this is why you're not a health medical company you're a fucking build phones and shut the fuck up <laughs> um yeah and then in, in, in other news uh we now have shootings at inner european borders again so um Quoting here from uh, expats.cz Polish media reported yesterday, or this, you know, I don't know, it's from last week, I think. uh, Reported the case of a man attempting to illegally cross the Czech border at the town of Pilzic, I think that is Pilzic, a few kilometers from the Czech city Opava. Identified as a German resident of the Czech Republic, the man drove to a crossing patrolled by Polish forces from the 10th Logistics Brigade of Opole. Shitaj, left his car and apparently attempted to enter the country on foot. When he didn't respond to verbal instructions from the Polish officials, two warning shots were fired, and he was ultimately apprehended. Great! <laughs> this is like this is like 1980s uh, cold. I curtain again cold war ein curtain and then you know there's also oh god if you read into this there's lots of stories i just have linked to one here if you read german from uh the spiegel uh, which is there's a german there's like a town that is half it's half in germany and half in austria basically uh in german the german part's called laufen and uh, the part in austria is called Oberndorf. they're technically of course two towns uh, but it's basically a city that's cut in half by a river the river Salzach, and there's a bridge, and of course, and there's like lots of people. Like this, for a thousand years, they they've been living like in peace, right? And this, they wrote like the story about the hardships they now all have because they're now in a European border suddenly again. And there's there's people in love who can't see like their significant other, like their f- fiance or something, because they live in Austria, right? And you can't cross it. It's so dumb. And it's it's like why don't you just fucking do a quarantine around the town. I don't know, but it's just, it's dumb. It's, it's dumb. Um, and before I finish this all, all this madness, um, and go to the feedback I've received, I would like to play something, uh, from the Joe Rogan experience podcast. Uh, you know, probably, I think the most listened to podcast on the planet and um this is you know joe rogan talking about something i i've talked about often as well and, you know the media and i've sp- especially in the beginning i pr- pretty clearly analyzed that the media is a problem here um that the perception of the danger in in all phases of this whole thing had nothing to do with the actual danger and people were not analyzing the actual danger they or their loved ones faced but they were operating and the government was operating and you know the people are supporting the government because of this they're all operating on a perceived emotional danger which was caught by the press but a lot of people are like oh no you could say that you know but i've oh God, i've had so many ex-colleagues of mine getting mad at me on social media and emails in like chat because they are just, they just can't, they just can't take it when you criticize and I'm not even criticizing them. Right. I'm criticizing (laughs) journalists and I'm, I'm, I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist like they are. I just don't work for their workplace anymore, but I'm like, I'm a journalist like you, right? This is also my profession. I can still criticize when people are doing wrong things. And people don't see this. Now, Joe Rogan sees this. So a comedian who, as he often jokes, has brain damage with a guy. You know, he's there with Brandon Schaub. Or I guess they say Schaub in the US. Uh, who's an ex-professional you know, professional MMA fighter. Uh, he was in the UFC, and there was a joke that they, are, they have brain damage because they, you know, they do jiu-jitsu and they get knocked out and shit, like, in, in fights. and And these guys, they see it, right? They see it, but, like, yeah. Nobody else sees it because obviously the media can't report on this. This is why, this is why people listen to podcasts now because the newspapers, the television, radio, they do not report on this and you can't like on YouTube. they now, you know, you say the wrong thing, something about coronavirus that doesn't conform to the WHO rules. They delete your video because apparently the WHO is word is now the rule of God. and, you know freedom of opinion and freedom of expression doesn't count anymore right and so you need to listen to podcasts and suddenly suddenly not your evening news you don't have walter cronkite anymore who's on tv who tells you the truth no you have to go to joe rogan the problem is once the narrative gets established you know once the narrative gets established It's crazy to me the news isn't held accountable for anything. Like to the the, the slander they're putting out, you're like, why aren't you showing anything positive? Yeah. That's well, why I tweet out positive stats. I'm like, why don't you guys show anything positive? You're scaring yeah. the fuck out of people. They man. want to. That's how they make money. <clears throat> they make money off of advertising. <clears throat> they make advertising off of views. They make views off of scaring people yes completely right that's a perfect analysis like this is a 20 second 26 second clip from a podcast where a professional comedian and hobby fighter and and a professional fighter uh, analyzed this better than anything i've seen on the mainstream media on the as we say in germany the light median in the last four months or five months because they can't say that of course you know and i just i mean i can i can i write yes i write for for you know i sell my i i write for a living and you know i'm a freelancer and i sell my um the stuff i write i sell that to people who live with advertising yeah and i'm i'm that's sure but i can I, why why can i still call it what it is and these people can't they i don't i don't i don't get it but luckily, uh, me and Joe Rogan and you know the guys on No Agenda um, are not the only people who think like this. Apparently, a lot of people who listen to this show. Also mm-hmm. think this. So let's um, let's look at some feedback I've I've received. First off, uh, Baza will, of course, uh, you know, go to private citizen.press. contact. Details are always in the show notes. And there's a link in the footer as well, which leads you to my website, fab.industries, and many ways to contact me. Anyway, Beza Will wrote in response to an email of his that I read on episode 17. He says, School attendance is compulsory in Australia. We were talking about school, and you know, he's a teacher. I just work in an area where many students do not attend school for days, weeks, months at a time. We do all we can to report on this and try to get them to school, except when the government says it's fine. You can stay at home and quote home study. Um, then say actually it's fine. You should come to school, but you if you want you can stay at home. That's fine also. <laughs> um, yeah, I know this of course because I was I you know I went to high school in Australia. I actually have a. Uh, you know the queensland certificate of education i think it was back in the day um so i finished high school in australia um but you know this is it's is probably because i'm german and i'll you know compo- comp it's comp- Compulsory schooling in Germany means something very different. <laughs> it means if you don't send your kid to school, the police will turn up, <laughs> and they will, you know, they will call the uh, the, the um. Oh God, what's what's Jugendamt in English? People are shouting at their devices right now, but I'll have to look it up, and uh, with my nice clicky keyboard. Uh, youth welfare office well the welfare service right they'll just they'll turn up and then the police will finally turn up and in australia it's a it's a bit more relaxed mate <laughs> so it also depends on what state you're in you know there are states where they do like i mean back in the day they did uh, school over the air i was still in uh you know when i was visiting alice springs uh you know of course because of the great royal doctor service flying doctors uh, the tv show that actually got me um interested in australia I Was watching it with my grandma and everybody wanted to go to the us uh, in year 11 hours now i want just i want to go to australia and you know they have the they had the um, in alice springs they have the uh school uh over the radio right the school school on air um i guess they do everything over the internet and zoom these days or whatever but yeah i, I you know it's the the a bit more relaxed in australia i can still remember i was um i was in school and uh, what was it like a, a good mate of mine uh, was like um he I think his brother, who like who wasn't as somebody, I you know I I knew from my host mother, um, was like traveling to uh, another part of of Queensland, um, and we were gonna go to uh, Longreach, which is it, it's a reason that's called Longreach. Look it up where it is. It's like in the middle of fucking Norway, um, and they were like, um, I could I could come with them for like two or three weeks and just experience the country. Uh, and they were like just ask your um your teacher your head teacher if you can go i was like what he's never gonna say no uh he's never gonna say yes so i went to school i you know i talked to the um head teacher he was like yeah, yeah sure. i mean i'm i'm fine with it yeah but you should talk to the headmaster so i went to the headmaster of the <laughs> chef's nash <laughs> high school and he was like I was like, oh god, this is gonna, it's gonna shout at me. And he was like, so what are you gonna do? And I was like, yeah, well, they, they, well, they're visiting like relatives in Longreach, and they say it's great there, and you know, you can see lots of. He's like, yeah, 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 you should go, you should go. I was like, where's the hidden camera? Where do you like, as a German pupil, you're like. Ooh what's going on he's like nah i think you'll you'll miss four weeks of like three weeks four weeks doesn't matter if you miss six weeks who gives a fuck i mean he didn't say who gives a fuck but he was like basically you know who cares who cares just go you know this is more important for you to see the country <laughs> oh i love australia i i miss it so much i wish i could love i could live there again um barry williams isn't that Oh, I think I've. I think this is both Beza Will. Yeah, this is both Beza Will. Okay, I need to change the. Well, I need to change the show notes before I publish this. So <laughs> I guess this is also from from Beza. Uh I was saying Barry Williams also in Australia. Wait, this, they're both the same same. <laughs> he also comments on episode 18 i think the problem is uh the first comment was from the um so we have this patron server uh this uh, discord server for patrons and i think it was from there and the second one was from an email so i just like god i prepared these show notes and i it's been a long working day today i just just didn't connect (laughs) i'm sorry Barry. (laughs) anyway he also says on episode 18 um firstly thanks for teaching me how to pronounce xiaomi I keep meaning to look it up, but I'm lazy. I know Huawei put out a video on just how they pronounce their name. Um, yeah, I you know I don't speak Mandarin, so yeah. What I can, what I always do is one of the few things I retained from <laughs> studying English in university uh, and studying linguistics is actually I still have a good grip on IPA. Which in this case isn't the beer, but the international phonetic alphabet, which helps massively because it's listed in Wikipedia and other places a lot. So you can you can basically try to sorry approximate <laughs> too much wine uh, approximate uh, what you know how how to pronounce something. So I'm um, Xiaomi, is, I guess, as close as I can get it, and Huawei. Secondly, I do wonder. Um, if it would be worth buying a cheap Xiaomi phone and then flashing a custom ROM and hoping there's no spyware in the hardware or irreplaceable firmware. Definitely not bulletproof, but could be an option. Yeah, but I think you're bringing it up. Like, I'd be worried, you know, you're bringing the the worries I would have up, you know, that there's something in the hardware or the firmware. And I don't think that's too far-fetched with these, you know, cheap, chinese phones that actually do want to spy on you i mean that's that's what the xiaomi story was about last episode so i don't know i i uh, yeah cheap phone i guess i guess um also then there's a problem will that rom work you know uh, and you're still like you're using the baseband and all the drivers from the manufacturer right i don't know i i've i, I I feel like, you know, this is a, kind of the OTG, uh, off the grid kind of segment that I started that I want to talk about sometimes, um, you know, how to evade some practical tips for, you know, evading, um, surveillance, stuff like that off the grid as in the information super highway, not the power grid, um, I don't know. I would probably there's there's other routes you can go. Like you know, Adam Curry on No Agenda talks a lot about he has like this flip phone, um, which is like it's not really a smartphone. It um, I think he uses KaiOS. I mean there's there's basically uh, phones that are less smart that really can't run apps. I think if you really want to do that, um, you know if you want to go more in the privacy. Direction, it's probably worth um, running a phone that doesn't have apps, like that just has like a few apps that doesn't have Android. If you just want a good Android phone, a cheap Android phone, I think there are better options. I mean, there are still um, other manufacturers that do relatively do cheaper phones that have just a better track record than Xiaomi um i don't know there's definitely samsung cheaper samsung phones there is um i don't know it's one plus they at, at some time they were quite low cost um but i don't know these days In in between there they got, actually got quite high end i don't know i just my bottom line is I, yeah they're not that cheap <laughs> i'd just be worried you know if when you have a manufacturer that has a track record that like this why not just avoid them and like look for another alternative and it just depends on what you mean by cheap right there's like i mean there's low-end iphones for example that are not that massively expensive it always depends on what expensive means to you which is always you know i talk about this in the segment about you know talking about value for value it it just very much depends on your situation i'll just be nervous i don't know um steve wrote me an email an encrypted email so you can do that if you go to the contact uh, if you go to fab.industry slash contact there is also a pgp uh key you know there's uh there's this key a fingerprint on there that you can you can you can write me a encrypted email if you want steve says i'm a huge fan of your work i'm um, yeah i'm just using his first name here because i don't know with an encrypted email i kind of feel like it feel like that should be the default i'm a huge fan of your work i was late a uh, late starter listening to podcasts and only started listening to Lo near the end of its run however so i was 2014 i think by today's standards you're not a late starter there's people who start listening to podcasts last year in germany or just now because of you know drosten and his coronavirus podcast um near the end of its run however i near the end of its run however i did go back and listen to the back catalog well that's dedication i even listened to dnr which although i'm not into warhammer and such the presentation still made it a great listen i thanks for the compliment i'm currently enjoying the private citizen and believe that privacy is one of the few areas of our life that we can still keep our that we can still keep to ourselves and should not be for sale as such i prefer encrypted communications wherever possible fair enough even if it only serves to help shelter other encrypted communications via anonymity through obscurity and information i share is free to be used keep up the great work see this is why i'm sharing it but yeah i mean so it's a good uh it's a good good point that is definitely you know also something snowden always pointed out um if only people who have some had something to hide in Equus, but you know dissidents or you know people john this if only us use encrypted communication then you'd basically point a target on your back which is you know one of the big reasons behind https everywhere and why every messenger should be end-to-end encrypted because there's really no technical reasons they can't and it just you know hides the the high value targets for the intelligence services in a stream of bullshit you send to your mates which is also encrypted which is a good point um, and then the last email is from uh, Bennett Piata. Sent me quite a long email, but I think it's worth reading out most of it. Um, he says he's German and lives in Austria, but also has US citizenship. And he says, I'm equally dismayed at the cavalier attitude with which our societies are abandoning their freedoms and rights. Albert Mohler, or Albert Moller, who I guess is a US evangelist, uh, you know, if um god evangelist is probably the wrong word um theologian probably um often uh, albert moeller often says that given the choice people will always choose security over freedom and therefore a society requires security in order to remain free yeah why i not a big fan of religion and theologians most of the time you know they can they can say very smart things and have very smart thoughts and that is very true suffice to say that he's not at all happy with the current government overreach either begin to think that the founders or the founding fathers i guess of the u.s were correct in their assessment that a popular uh, a population needs to be armed to resist tyranny in the long term not that i like violence but a government should not be given a free pass to forget that it is supposed to serve its constituency yeah the problem is of course when they do these kind of things that they're, they're saying oh, i will protect your health we're actually serving you uh, but i think you're right what you mean is like if the majority of the people say you know I stop this fucking lockdown it doesn't matter if you think you're helping us even if you're helping us if we want you to stop you work for us you should and um, i agree with that i i've always traditionally um had a problem with as somebody who studied history this whole thing is like be the populace be armed to resist tyranny is like when you talk about like state like nazi germany for example that is somewhat bullshit because your weapons at home don't help you right like the general populace in nazi germany could have been armed it doesn't matter the government had tanks right and they just had more men and they're better armed, and they had intelligence services. And it's the same way today. Also, historically, you know, if you look at countries where you had revolutions, it starts in the French Revolution, right? Why? What is Bastille Day, right? Bastille was the fortress where they had all the guns. So when they started with the revolution, the first thing you do is you overrun the armory and you steal all the guns and that's been a constant in everywhere like the populace doesn't have to be armed to have a popular revolution right the guns are in the police station and you can overrun the police station because there's 40 people in there if you're like at max if you're like 400 or 4,000, they don't have a chance Um, and then you have guns then you can arm everybody um so i don't I don't subscribe to that so much, you know, fighting against the, the, the state thing. But there is something to be said that it keeps your government on its toes. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this when they were protesting, like, in some states in the U.S. And they just turn up at the courthouse with a gun strapped to their back. There is an argument that the police and everybody treats you differently there at the demonstration than they treat German protesters, which are, you know just routinely uh, you just ask the left you know they should know they they get routinely clobbered you know we had this years ago we had this government um, this protest against the government building this underground um, railway station in Stuttgart and and, uh, there was just lots of money wasted and people were protesting and there were like kids high school kids in like I don't know grade 7 or something protesting with their teachers and they got shot with water guns there was a gu- guy who got blasted out of the tree with a water uh you know a tank one of these police tanks so badly there's a photo of him where he likes is helped walking down the street and his eye is like out of his socket it's like on his cheek because they blasted his eye out with the water cannon. You know, there is something to be said that they don't do that to you if you have an AR fifteen strapped to your back. There you know, there is more respect there. I'm I'm not saying everybody should be armed. I'm generally for gun control. I think it, it is a good I I mean the, I think the um as in German we say Gewaltmonopol uh, status, the the violence monopoly of the state is is has a lot of benefits in society, but it, I also feel like in these situations, it you know, the opposite has also has benefits. I don't think it's uh. In the the older I get, maybe I get more wiser with all the older gray hair. Um, the more I see, this, this isn't black and white. It, it's gray. Um. And it continues, I've thought a lot about these things and I've come to the conclusion that too much liberal and leftist, not the same in my book, political theory still subscribes to the enlightenment enlightenment view of a generally good humanity. Listening to journalists, one would think, quote, that there exists a group of category of people that is stupid and evil, while most of us are good, end quote. And quote, as long as the government is headed by good people and they are given sufficient power, they can make sure that things are gonna be good for people. People, end quote especially considering climate change and the current pandemic, this seems to be part of the worldview of the major media and the u s democratic party in particular. not that I like trump either yeah I think that's you know it's a word where i've never subscribed to um i mean if you do if you do uh philosophy i like to you know you you learn about you know Locke and all these different philosophers and there's generally there's two traditional schools. There's a school that, like you pointed out here, says that people are generally good and will adhere to um even when not under control, you know, when not controlled by the state or uh, by by other forces, will generally behave well towards each other. And then there's the uh school of thought that, you know, how many how many lupus est, you know, the Human is a wolf to other humans that as soon as you do not have a framework of society and there is no punishment, people will, you know, and when it comes, push comes to shove, we'll kill each other. And generally when push comes to shove, even when you have framework in society, you know, when that breaks down, people will kill each other. And I have from very early on in my life, I've subscribed to that view. Because I personally I think if you look at history, if you just look at German history, you look at history of the Third Reich. I I cannot see how you can have another worldview, and especially as a left, who a uh, left leaning person who who abhors the Nazis and what has happened there. I mean they must have studied that right at least in Germany. And how can you not see that when push comes to shove, humans are horrible beings because that is what you learn. From Nazi Germany it's it's not like people were evil right it's not like um that's that's the misconception for example lots of Americans have it's like oh yeah the SS was evil like no there were humans right my grandfather was in the Waffen-SS and he joined that voluntarily because he was probably you know I've never really talked to him about this he died when I was relatively young um but you know what I gather from my parents um he He believed. He believed the propaganda. He believed that stuff. And he wasn't a bad man. It was just like, this happens. This happens. There can be situations in society where people um, are brought into a situation and the, 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 the Nazi state was explicitly built on this, where they put people in situations where they would turn into, you know, revert to wild you know, behavior you would have when you, when the state doesn't curtail this kind of thing. Like when the state says it's okay to kill a certain, um, certain, uh, part of the population, people will kill them because it makes them feel powerful. And you can get them in a situation where you, you know you you educate them in a certain way you you feed them propaganda you know where they where they believe that that is even good for society, and yeah, I think you you uh, Bennett is kind of pointing at the same thing here because he says he goes on he goes on. I don't see how a political system that does not account for the fact that anyone and everyone is capable of mistakes is supposed to be sustainable as Christians we call this. The fall nature of humanity, and it's quite useful thinking. It's a quite useful thinking to to have. Well, I don't agree with you on that. I'm not a fan of religion. I think that is just philosophy. You have the same. Um, you know, it goes, it goes literally farther back than Christianity. It goes back to um, to the ancient Greeks, right? This is this is basically Plato um but yeah um but we don't have to agree on that so that that's that's good um we can still i think we agree on the rest um isn't this overreach precisely what they criticize about fascist centralization of power well the exact same thing is happening with a different face. i completely agree with you i think that is the problem And I think the problem is if you're in history, right, it's easy 40 years later to look at the Third Reich and go, this was obviously horrible. How could the people have done this? And if you really ask you your question, you talk to people, I talk to my grandmother, who's 98, who lived through that time. If you talk to these people, you realize that when you are close to it in the time, it's not that easy to, like, they didn't know a lot of them didn't know or they didn't want to ask. Or, you know, it's it's not that easy. It's it, And we are in the same situation. We are so close to this coronavirus thing that it could very well be possible that we are completely misjudging how bad this is, that our whole um, reaction to it is completely overblown and wrong. And in 20 years, that will be extremely clear or could not be um, but the thing is, that's why, you know, when I'm talking about this on the show and I'm talking about these measures, um, the important thing is that we don't know. We are not in a, we don't have enough data right now. That's always, to our of history, it's always, doesn't matter how advanced your society is, how much science you apply. It doesn't matter. You don't, you just don't have the data. It doesn't, human beings can't judge that in the moment and if you study history feel like if you read anything read any good biography of of anybody right george washington um adolf hitler stalin uh i don't know churchill anything just it comes up they, you know when you write a biography when you write a history book they will explain that to you in the beginning it, it Every person is a product of their time. And if you try to understand them, you you need to go back and put yourself into their shoes. And that is mostly impossible. And this is why we can't see what people back in the day when the Nazis came to power. And, you know, it might very well be that when the Nazis invented, you know, they had, I mean, there was hardship back then anyway. You know, we just came off the, the Great Depression. Germany was, was, um, was in a lot of trouble. There were people uh, dying of hunger in the streets, and in a situation like this, when somebody comes along and says, "Oh, there's this, there's this danger, right?" And the danger is the Jews or whatever, or the Russians. Or who cares? People believe that, and it's it's the same situation now. People say the danger is the coronavirus, and so we have to change the law. So the thing is, it doesn't matter if the, if it actually later turns out that the danger was justified. My point is that in the moment you can't tell. History tells us that in the moment you can't tell. And that is why we have to watch out. This is why we have a constitution. We learned from the, in Germany, we learned from the experience of the Nazis, you know, with the help of, you know, the Americans and the British, that's a huge influence on our constitution. Um, We built a constitution, we built these laws that are supposed to always count. There's not supposed to be like an emergency where you just brush them aside because if you do, because that is born out of the understanding that at the moment you can't decide if that emergency is actually there or bogus and it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how many people are in danger. We should never sell. We should never relinquish our hold on these freedoms. That is the whole point. The the justification doesn't matter. That's why you can't change these. And yes, it's not that easy. And there's emergency, you know, I mean, you're seeing it now. We are curtailing these um, rights. And all I'm saying is don't attack me for saying we need to be aware of this. And this is dangerous. This is dangerous because we don't know. We don't know right now. We don't know. We can't, we can't trust that these things will be rolled back because they most likely won't right if the emergency is over they'll go yeah okay the emergency is over um let's not do these things but they don't they they will not strike them out of the law they'll still be in law next time the government says we're in danger they'll come in again that's how it goes the only way you get these things historically speaking the only way you get these things out of these out of the law is like having a revolution, burning down the country, um, beheading everybody and writing new laws. That's literally how it happens. (laughs) Anyway, so I think I agree with a lot of your points here, Bennett. Um, He goes on, I see similarities to the issue... Um, of the Senate and the Electoral College so many are up in arms about it and how it's per state representation how its per state representation is undemocratic while missing the point that it was designed to allow f- a continent-wide federation to work without it what prevents the dense population centers of California New York DC from oppressing the sparsely populated states such as say Montana or Wyoming yeah exactly um, i mean we don't we don't have that in Germany we have federal states and you know but that's it's a, it's a similar issue people are, like in this situation they push for centralization and everybody needs to be, it's same in the US you know every, everything needs to be centralized presidents needs to decide this no um so in Germany the federal states mostly uh were created you know in the federal republic after the war for historic reasons but also as a um as a check and balance system on the government you know because the nazi government was very centralized and was all uh you know coordinated from berlin and they were like if there were certain things that are more local in government then that's a check and balance you know that's a check on the power of the federal government and you know it's the same thing in the u.s it's different but also kind of similar which isn't you know which which isn't a coincidence uh, and then Bennett closes with I hope you enjoy your scotch because he um, supported the show and said buy yourself a bottle of scotch which I haven't done yet but I will. Currently I'm still on the red wine and I'm enjoying that. I uh, hope you enjoy your scotch or whatever you feel like. I hopefully finish my master's this month and should have more disposable income afterwards. You do not need to apologize. As I always said and this is going right into the next segment wrapping up the show now. Um, toss a coin to your podcaster. doesn't matter how or heavy it is you know you don't even have to it's like really you don't you don't feel bad i feel blessed that you even sent me some money for some scotch that is amazing it's great um you know and you know some people i i, I remember i remember being you know i was in university i just, you don't have disposable income or not so much and later on you might have more disposable income and less time <laughs> or you might, you know, might you might have children. You might have three children. Then you have less disposable income. I mean, it's, it's all good. It's all good. So all of that to say, this podcast operates under the value for value model, which was invented by the No Agenda podcast at noagendashow.com. And um, it basically means you're a producer. You help out with producing the show by sending information, by sending emails, by commenting on it. But also um, by supporting it financially, because that also needs to happen, because this kind of needs to be at least a little bit worthwhile, you know, Netlify, I'm, I'm going to soon have to start paying them to host the website. <laughs> um, well, currently I'm paying web faction, so, you know, there's, I just try to pay the bills here, and if you pitch in, that's great, and you can do that by becoming a patron. On Patreon, there's a link in the show notes, but you can also... Um, just like Bennett did, for example, um, just send me one of PayPal don't say donation because it's not really a donation. Uh, a uh, producer a sp- fee subscript, I don't know. Just, you know, send some money. You know, we don't need your, We you know, how did uh, George Bush say? We don't need your blankets, just send cash. <laughs> uh, producers at fab.industries uh, is also in the show notes. That's the PayPal email address. And whatever you do, I appreciate it. And I thank you very much. Um, yeah. And with that, um, the only thing that's left for me to say is, uh, you know, I don't know what you, how, how you are doing in your uh in your respective containment zones but you know just just try to take it positive try to see it positively you know i think you're looking at this thing all wrong don't think isolation think paid vacation exactly be more like lieutenant Creek. think paid vacation uh, And with that thanks to everybody who helped out uh, i would like to thank Raoul kabazali who wrote and recorded the uh theme th- a theme tune that i use it's a song called acoustic roots i'm also thankful to bitemark at bitemark.co.uk who provide the service um, and have done so for years That provide me with a uh, service that i uh, host the audio files on which is the actual if i had to pay that I this whole thing wouldn't happen um you know, and when you download the the file and it comes down really quickly, that's is mark. They're great. Um, they have great cloud hosting. Can only recommend them. I've never had a problem all these years, and I thank them very much for supporting the show. And then I th- I would like to thank all the people who um send in uh you know who are patrons uh, supporters of the uh, the Patreon, and also send in money via PayPal. And those people are Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen. Jonathan M. Heathy Georges Walther Dave Eric G. Potter Test Butterbeans, Beans Mark Hollins Steve O's, Shelby Groover Fadi Mansour Vlad uh, Matt Jelliman Joe Poser Jackie Plage 1i11g IKN Dave Amrish Dirk Didi David Potter by Tautas Ricky M. Drive Zero, Mika, Jonathan Edwards, Barry Williams, Sylvia Vulcan, S J. Daniel B. and Bennett Piata. Thanks to all of you. Appreciate it a lot. I hope this uh, these two hours, you know, were were worth listening to. Helped you. Uh, gave you some important information. Please tell me how how you like the show. Um, if you've got some topics you want me to cover show notes at the pri- uh, at privatecitizen.press and uh, yeah until then I'll, I'll see you for next episode. I'm still trying to do an extra one here but can't promise anything at the moment anyway I see you at the latest uh, next week until then you know stay uppity, stay free and I'll I'll meet you further on up the road.